we are working our way through, um, we, through the Bible. This is the Bible, God's Word, and it's the foundation of what we do and what we believe here at, uh, at Parksville Fellowship Baptist Church. And uh, it's a really important book because it helps us know how God wants us to live. We believe that God has created us and God has designed us and God knows best how we should live and that we've strayed from Him and God is constantly calling us back to Him. And so even if you're here this morning and this is your first or second time or you've been here for a couple months and you're wondering why you're here, well, I think it's part of God's voice speaking to you, calling you back to Him um, so that you can see the light of Jesus Christ um, shine in your light. And as we've been working, we're working through a particular book of the Bible, it's called the book of Ephesians, and uh, if you didn't come here with a Bible, there are Bibles in the seats in front of you, and you're certainly welcome to pull one of those out. And we've been, we've been talking a lot about how we live as Christians, how we respond um, to the grace that God has um, shed, shed in our lives, the mercy that God has demonstrated um, towards us, and Part of how we live is in, well, all of how we live is in a direct response to what God has done for us and what God has done in us. And that song that we sung as we were worshiping, I Stand Amazed, um, or How Marvelous, How Wonderful, and My Song Shall Ever Be. When you come to experience the grace of God and the mercy of God, there's this sense of awe that you have in your heart and this sense of almost disbelief that God could love me, that God could accept me that God would receive me as I am. And so it's an expression of our appreciation for God's grace. God has done a, a, a lot for us and in us before we even come to Him. And that's what the first part of this book of Ephesians is about. Is it's been telling us all that God has done for us. And we, you know, quick rehearsal of those things. God has blessed us. God has um, drawn us out of darkness into light. God has made us who were dead alive. God has, instead of giving us justice, has shown us mercy and grace. That God has taken us who were without hope and who were lost. And He has given us hope. And He has given us eternal hope uh, and eternal life. And so God has done this amazing amount of um, uh, just gifts and work for us. And not only has He done a lot of stuff for us, but He's doing this amazing work in us. And that's also what we've been chatting about here is the way that God has um, made us do new people. Uh, the way that he has taken uh, those of us who are dead and he's made us alive. The, the way that he, 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 he takes our old nature and gets rid of it, which is the way that we think and the way that we live, which is displeasing to him. And he replaces it with a nature that is becoming more and more um, perfect and pure. And so God has done not only a lot for us, but he's done a lot in us. And then what the, what the last bit of the book of Ephesians is that we've been looking at is then how do we respond to that? Because we can't earn it. We don't deserve it. We simply, though, respond and we say, thank you, God, for what you're doing. How can I live in a way that reflects my appreciation and my gratitude for what you have done in my life? And so there's this change that takes place in us that we live for him. And so we've been looking at a couple of these phrases. One would be, um, therefore... Um, walk in a manner worthy of the God that has called you. So because God has done so much for us and so much in us, we walk in a way that expresses our gratitude for that. Uh, there's another place in, in the book that we looked at about four or five weeks ago where it says, no longer walk as the Gentiles do. No longer walk as one who doesn't know God. And so because of all that God has done for us, the, the change that's taken place in us, we now walk a different way of life. Uh, last week, we looked at the, the phrase, um, walk in love. 
And we walk in love because God has loved us and demonstrate his love for us. And so um, we no longer walk in hatred, no longer walk in angry, angry, and no longer walk in jealousy, but now we walk in love. And then this morning, we're going to look at, look at this phrase, um, um, walking in light. Uh, how do we walk in light? Again, another response to all that God has done in and for us. And, and the, the, the Bible, what we've been looking at is how we walk so that we walk safely and navigate this world properly. I'm um, taking a power squadron course. I'm not quite sure why I'm taking the power squadron course, because I don't have a boat. Um, but I, I just want to take the power squadron course. I guess it's so that when I fish, I can guide my bobber down the, the river and avoid all the hazards. Uh, but one of the things that, uh, that I'm finding repeated again and again and again in this power squadron course is that there is a way to be a responsible boater and there's a way to be an irresponsible boater. And that there's ways that you can learn to navigate channels or navigate waterways so that you won't end up on rocks or you won't end up on reefs. There's ways that you can learn use a compass, ways that you can use a chart. Uh, there's different lights that people have on their boat so you know if they're coming towards you or away from you. There's buoys that have different kinds of lights that tell you what those buoys are for. And all of those things are there so that you can have a safe, fun experience out on the water. Well, in the, in the same way, God has created us to enjoy this world and to live in these bodies, and he wants us to do it in a way that is safe and enjoyable and reflects his glory. And so that's why he has given us his word, and that's what we've been talking about this last little while, about imitating God. So we come to um, Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, the verses that we're looking at uh, uh, today, we'll start at verse 7 and go to verse 14 of uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Um, uh, so Paul writes to these, uh, these new, new Christians in, in the city of Ephesus. He says, Therefore, do not associate with the sons of disobedience. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it's shameful even to speak of those things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So Father, we want to continue worshiping you now with our mind and our affections and our will as we have been doing in song. And we now come before your word, the true, eternal, everlasting word of God. We come before words that um, are true, words that are the same, words that will endure, words that accurately reflect our heart. And we ask that you would help us to to, um, bring our lives in line with your word. Would you make this book live in our hearts and in our lives today? Would you help the truth of and the light of the gospel to shine into the darkness of our thinking and behaving? We pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, it's, it's important, I think, to, to pull out that one phrase and help us understand it before we look at what Paul says here. Walk in the light. Walk in the light. What do we mean when, we, when, we, when Paul tells these Christians and when we talk as Christians here, what does it mean to walk in the light? Well, I think we know it's not a reference to walking in physical light. He's not saying, no, I want you to only walk in the daytime, not, at, not in the nighttime. Uh, I only wanted you to go out with a flashlight. He's not referring to physical light and physical darkness. 
what he's referring to is he, he's referring to um, light as a symbol of truth and of holiness. Light is a, is a way of thinking and it's a way of behaving. And so what Paul is saying is that there's a way that we walk that reflects um, knowledge and reflects truth and is reflected in our behavior, and that's walking in the light. And he helps us understand that metaphor in a number of ways through Scripture, but I think we know what he means when we use phrases like, um, uh, I don't like being kept in the dark. What we understand that to be is we want to know more. We need more information. Or somebody will come along and, and in a meeting or somewhere, they'll say, let me, set, let, let me shed some light on that. What they're doing is, is they're recognizing there's some darkness there, there's some ignorance, there's, some, there's a lack of our knowledge, and so they want to shed some light on what we were thinking. We, use a, we sometimes use phrases and say, that was a really dark period in my life. And when we refer to that dark period, it's often a behavior or a time when our behaviors were really out of whack or when we were really lost and we didn't know how to think, we didn't know where to go. And so we, we use phrases like, that was a really dark period in my life, or those were really dark times. And so that's what we're meaning when we're talking about walking in the light. We're talking about walking in truth, walking in knowledge, and in behavior that reflects that. So we find that all throughout Scripture, and Paul even here contrasts light and darkness. He's telling us to walk in the light, not in darkness. And so we think about some scripture verses that help us understand this. Um, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the commandment is light, or, or light, or, or lamp, and the law is a light. In other words, when we come to the Word of God, and we read it and understand it, it's, it's, it's light. It gives us understanding. It dispels the darkness of our ignorance. And so we, have, we think better. We think more clearly. So as we read the Word of God, it's like light to our thinking. There's another passage in Scripture which says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What that means is, is we can't take this out and shine it down on the path. We know that that's not what it's meaning. But what it means is that it shows us the right way to walk. It shows us the right way to think. It sheds light so that we might make right decisions in life. Contrary, or, or a contrast to that are verses like we've looked at these before. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, uh, starting, at verse three, or starting at verse 4, let's say. In their case, the God of the world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. There is a real battle going on. And what Paul is saying is that there are minds that have been darkened by the work of Satan so that they will not see the light of the gospel. They've, con- they've been convinced in the truth of evolution. They've been convinced in the truth that mor- morality doesn't matter. Um, they've been convinced in, in, in some misunderstanding of who God is. Their, their eyes have been blinded. Their minds have been blinded. Their thinking has been blinded. So they cannot see the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So there's an intellectual darkness that is infecting a lot of people in our world. He goes on in another place. Well, he goes on a little bit farther in verse 6, and he says, For God who has said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. So again, it's this intellectual way of thinking, truth, that God dispels the darkness of our thinking, the error of our thinking, and he replaces it with light. Romans chapter 1, it says their foolish heart was darkened. 
Again, it's the way of thinking. They, and you, you read Romans chapter 1, and it says their foolish heart was darkened. And, and how was that darkened darkness reflected? Well, it was reflected in the way that they lived. God gave them over to depraved thinking. God gave them over to depraved behaving. So the way that they think was worked out in the way that they lived. Um, uh, there's, uh, so, so we think of light, uh, walking in the light, as, as truth and as knowledge. And we think of walking in the dark as walking in ignorance and of not knowing the truth, a lack of knowledge. In the same way, it also reflects um, walking behaviorally. There's a passage in Isaiah which, which could be, uh, I think, one of the, one of the, the verses that we, 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 we plaster all over our houses and our cars and our TV sets and our radios and our DVDs and our, and our, our whatever those things are that you press the button and it tapes it. Um, I don't have one. PVRs, all those sorts of things. Um, Isaiah 5.20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. It's a flipping around, it's a, it's a turning around of morality and behavior. And then so that we understand it, he says, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. In other words, so walking in light, it can be either walking in a way that is good or walking in a way that is evil. Romans chapter 13 verse 12 says, The night is far gone, the day is at hand, so let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the, in the daytime, not in orgies and in drunkenness and sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. So those are behaviors of darkness. Those are behaviors of a darkened mind. Those are things that reflect that, that a mind and behavior hasn't been impacted by the light of gos- the gospel and the light of Christ. And he says then, but put on Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. There are lots of places then that we could turn in the scripture, but this is enough to help us to see that walking in the light refers to what and how we think, and it refers to our behaviors, um, how we live. And so Paul is saying, walk in the light. What he's saying is now you need to think differently and you need to behave differently. Ephesians chapter 1, we looked at this last week. Paul says, imitate God. Imitate God. First John says, this is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So if we are children of God, if we are children of the light, then we are to imitate God as God is light. And increasingly, there should be more light in our thinking, more light in our behaving, than there should be darkness. As Matthew says, you are the light of the world. So we understand then that, 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 that there is this shift that takes place in us. We are now children of God, children of the light. Let us walk in the light. And part of how that it works itself out is 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be equally yoked with un, or unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? See, walking in the light means that, that there is now a distinguish, distinguishing path that we go. There's a way that we think. There's a way that we behave. And what Paul is saying is, how can light and darkness have fellowship? How can one sit on the fence? Sitting on the fence doesn't make any sense. 
If we, either we are walking in light or we're walking in darkness. You can't mix the two together. What fellowship has light with darkness? How can, you partic- how can you participate in the things of darkness if you are a child of light? As Paul said in another place, which is, I think, such a, a beautiful picture of what God does for us when, when he saves us. He says, Give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, and he has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son. So the, 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 I think the, the overall thing that, that Paul is trying to remind us here is that we are to walk in the light. And that walking in the light means the way that we think, uh, the, the truth that we embrace, and the way that we live our lives, the behavior that comes from, from our lives. But what does that look like practically then? What, is it, what does it look like for us as we go out from this place this week? Well, Paul gives us some of these some of what it looks like. I think the first thing that we keep in our mind is we just remember the, the absolute opposites that Paul is describing here. And I, I wish I could articulate what I've been thinking about for the last three or four weeks, and I'm just having a, a hard time doing it, but Paul says, at one time you were darkness. It doesn't say you were in darkness. He says you were darkness. You contributed to darkness by your behaving and by your thinking. At one time you were darkness. But now you are light. Not you are in, now you are light. What, what's he saying there? He said that change has taken place inside of you. That, that there's this transformation that has happened in you because of what God has done in you and for you. That now you aren't in darkness, you are now in light. That darkness is in the past. It's like Rafiki in The Lion King. It does not matter, it's in the past. Uh, you know, or the, the walking in darkness, the behavior, the thinking of, uh, of that is in the past. We are different people now. We are constitutionally different. We are by nature different. Understand that and embrace it. Live as a child of light. Live as light. Think as light. So I think that's the, the first thing that as, as we walk in light, as we go out there, it's not, well, well I, I can choose either because I don't know if I'm the wa- light or dark. No, Paul is saying to walk in light, it begins with understanding that you are constitutionally changed. You are kingdom changed. You are no longer in a domain of darkness, but you are in a domain of light. So just even thinking that will help us to walk as children of light. Um, the second thing that he, that he says there is he talks about the fact that there's a, there's a natural fruit that comes from walking as a child of light. Uh, there's a, there's, there's a, how do you know that you're a child of light? By the fruit of your life. How do you know the difference between an apple tree and a pear tree? By the fruit. I, I'm not good at whatever that science is called, horticultural or whatever it is, I can look at one tree and I can look at another tree and I couldn't tell you from, from Adam and Eve which, which the difference is in those trees. But come the time when the fruit comes out, and I, that's a pear tree, I can tell a pear. Or that's an apple tree, I know an apple. I know a lot about my fruit, I don't know a lot about my trees. What I do know is fruits reflect the tree. And so what Paul is saying here is one of the ways that we understand that we're walking in the light is what is the fruit of our life 
How do we distinguish between one who's in darkness and one who's in light? Well, we distinguish it by the fruit of our life. Matthew um, 7, 15 says, uh, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. They look like sheep. They smell like sheep. They, 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 they baa like sheep. But he says, inwardly, they're not sheep. How do you know they're not sheep? You will recognize them by their fruits. You can only fake it so long. You can only play the game so long. It might be a year. It might be five years. It might be ten years. But eventually, the fruit will realize what kind of tree we are. What kind of... Uh, whether we're, whether we're in the darkness or in the light. Romans 6.21, or, or Matthew 3.8, sorry, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, one of the ways that we, we distinguish whether we're in darkness or light is by fruit. And he mentions three, and they're broad categories. He says, look, and he says there's these three things. There's goodness, there's righteousness, and there's truth. Those are the fruit of walking in light. Those are the ways that we know that we're walking. What is goodness? Goodness is it's a quality of moral excellence that's lived out in our relationships with other people. There's a few words for, for good in the New Testament, but this is one that primarily speaks about our relationships with other people. And it's a, it's a, it's a, a goodness that's reflected in our generosity or in our goodness to other people. And so it's love in action, as one person put it. And so one of the ways that we, we can tell about if we're walking in light and one of the ways that we can uh, determine about walking in light is how is our relationships with other people? Is there a generosity? Is there a goodness? Is there love in action? Is the fruit of walking in light reflected in the way that I interact with other people? Look back over your last week. What have your relationships been like? Are they better than your relationships were two years ago or five years ago? Is there fruit of walking in the light? So one of the fruits is goodness and the way that I relate with other people. The second one that he says there is righteousness. And righteousness is, is, a, is a right behaving before God. It's, um, it's, it's, it's doing what God wants me to do. It's reading his word and, and more and more allowing God's will to be my will. And so one of the fruits of walking in light is that I more and more walk in a way that honors and pleases God. I less, there's less rebellion, there's less fight, there's less disobedience, there's less kickback, there's less arguing, and there's more saying, okay, God, I'll walk this way. Because I know it brings you great joy. I know it brings you great pleasure. I know that that's how you've designed me to make. So one of the, another of the fruits is my relationship with God. And as you can see, that's huge. And there's so many ways that righteousness is worked out. And then the final one, he says is there's a, it's the fruit of truth. One of the, the fruits of walking in light is, is truth. I think that's primarily looking on the inward side. Is there truth growing in us? Do we more and more um, live honestly before God in ourselves? Do we, do, we, do we speak to God truthfully about ourselves? Is there an inward integrity within us? Or do we still try and hide from God? Like in the Old Testament, you read passages where people who thought because God couldn't see them, God didn't know what they were doing. That's not truthfulness. 
And so Paul says, one of the ways, how do we walk in light? We walk in light by understanding that we are fundamentally new creatures in Christ. And we remind ourselves every day, I am a child of light. I am by nature a child of light. My Father is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. And I walk as my Father. Another way that we walk in light is to look at the fruit of our life at the end of the day. Was, was my, were, were my relationships characterized by goodness? Was my relationship with God characterized by righteousness? Am I being more and more honest with myself before God? Is there this fruit of, of this righteousness? So there's a way of thinking who I am. There's a way of behaving the fruit that's in my life. But it's also walking in, in, in light is, is, is a way of saying, is this way that I'm walking, is it pleasing to God? Is it acceptable to God? And that's where he says in the next um, uh, part here, and I'm not, I'm not entirely um, warm to the way that the, the ESV has translated this, where he says, and try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. That verb try is not in the Greek text. It, it, and, and it gives the wrong impression. It really should simply be, and discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Examine what is pleasing to the Lord. Find out what is pleasing to the Lord. If you want to walk in the light, then figure out what pleases God. Go to the Bible and and find out how does he want me to talk? How does he want me to think? How does he want me to relate to other people? How does he want me to relate to my spouse? How does he want me to deal with my children? And that is what it means to walk in the light. And so we walk in the light by discerning or by examining or by understanding what is pleasing to the Lord. Uh, I think we've really complicated um, what it means to discover the will of God in our lives. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm simple, uh, but I, I have reduced it to, to a few very basic principles for me. And I'll give you at least two of those principles for my life. What does it mean to walk in the will of the Lord? In 1 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 10, verse 31, it says, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. One of the easiest questions you can ask yourself on every action, on every choice, on every decision, is this pleasing to God? Will this glorify God? Will this, will this magnify the name of God? That's a very easy question to ask. Another question is simply the question that he says here. Will this please God? Will my making this business decision please God? Will my going to this party please God? Will my using my money this way please God? Is this the way God wants me to use my time? Very simple. It's not, oh, I, I, you know, is it, is it this decision over that decision? No, it's, it's more broad than that. It's just, does this please God? Does this glorify God? And so that's what it means to walk in the light. Just ask some very basic questions of ourselves. And so walking in the light is learning what pleases God. I think the, the, this is the, the, the flip side of that then. He says walking in light means learning about what we should avoid uh, in, in our lives. Um, uh, it doesn't mean that when we, because he says, you know, light and darkness don't go together. Paul is not saying to us as Christians, have nothing to do with people who are in the dark. We can't do that. Paul, Jesus walked amongst the people of the world and he was accused of being a friend of sinners because he was associating with people who needed the light. 
with people who needed to have the light of the glory of the gospel shine into their hearts. So it can't mean that we have nothing to do with people who are in the darkness. But rather, we don't participate with them. We don't join in with them. We don't partner with them. The world needs us, don't they? They need us to, to speak into their lives and to shine light into their worlds. We just don't do what they do. We reach out and we love them, but we don't do what they do. We're non-participants in the world. And so there are certain things that we have to avoid. Are you trying to fit in? Are you trying to sit on the fence? Are you hoping to keep your job and make the sale? And so, so, so there's this, um, this, this, this not exposing darkness. There's just a trying to, to hide it or cover it. Paul says, yes, associate, but don't participate. Don't have any part in it. It's fruitless. It's a dark system. Don't participate in that way of thinking and behaving. So walking in the light means that we avoid walking in darkness. And then... And I think this is the last point. Expose, don't participate. Walking in the light means being people of action. I think this is probably one of the most difficult things for us to do as Christians and as children of God. Because it's it's the point at which we have conflict. It's the point where we rub up against people that we love or or people that are in our worlds and in our lives. We are to expose the unfruitful deeds of darkness. That's a natural consequence of walking in the light. You, you shine a light in, in, a, in a dark cupboard, and it's, it's automatically going to expose things. It just brings light. It sheds light in the situation and in the circumstance. And so sometimes as Christians, we're sort of shocked that there's a reaction to us. We're shocked that, that people respond to us the way that we do. Because part of that is the fact that our lives shed more light than we realize that they do. Just the way that we carry ourselves, the way that we talk and don't talk, it sheds more light than we ever realize that we're shedding. And I think you know what I'm talking about. You know this pressure in school. You know it with your friends. You know it in your homes. You know it in your, your jobs. You refuse to go along with deception at your work and your job might be on the line. You, you leave a movie where others stay and, 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 and that creates an uncomfortable um, feeling or, or situation in the air. You leave a party because, and others are choosing to stay. And just by your very act of leaving that party, you create a sense of uncomfortableness in that setting. You enter a room and the conversation changes. Not because you've said anything just because of who you are just because people know you're the you're the you're 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 a christian i have brought more silence to more rooms by just letting people know i'm a pastor and it's and, and i haven't said anything i haven't condemned anything i've just said i'm a pastor and so we know that right there's just by being a christian just by having the light of jesus in your life you will create more exposure without saying a word. And so live as Christians. And I encourage you, and I, I am so amazed week by week to hear the accounts of you as you're out in the world, as you're rubbing shoulders, and as people are asking questions, as people are responding, sometimes positively, sometimes negatively. Keep shining for Jesus. But then there's a, a second side to that, isn't there?
Sometimes we have to speak. Sometimes we have to expose. Sometimes we have to, we have to get our heads out of the sand and expose darkness and expose evil. And I think of this in the most basic way. Had somebody never come to you and said to you, you need Jesus in your life. You need to realize that if you keep going down this road that you're going, it's a road that's going to end in eternal destruction and everlasting separation from God. They risked. They shone the light. They exposed the darkness of my behavior and my thinking and shone light into my world so that I could come out of that darkness and see the wonderful light of Christ. And I was thinking of this... um, in our province, we're just going through this situation right now of, of those two uh, unqualified radiologists and, and the, 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 the thousands of tests that were misread or misinterpreted. Would we be happy if they just had of shoved that all under the carpet and, and never exposed it and never said anything about it? Would that be wonderful for the people who had had one of those tests and were misdiagnosed or, were di- or, or there something showed up but they were never told? No, we, we, we would hope that they would expose that so physically we could get the treatment that we wanted or, or that our minds could be put at ease and, and when we are told that we had cancer, now we realize we didn't because somebody had misread our chart or our test. Well, isn't it more important eternally, loved ones, to expose the darkness that's in people's lives and in our kids and in our grandkids and in our brothers and sisters and our spouses, the darkness that's going to lead them to everlasting ruin and destruction. And so sometimes it is important for us to even be active in our shining of our lights in this world. Loved ones, it matters that we get this. How else will unbelievers become committed followers of Jesus Christ unless we shine the light that we are into the darkness of their minds and of their behavior? The only hope that people have across the street and around the world is that the light of Jesus shine out of us and expose their darkness so that they would see their need of light. So if you are light in the Lord, shine. And as I end, I, you know, I was thinking about that last part here in verse um, 14. And I think it's a, it's a beautiful um, uh, picture. And if you're here this morning, I, I think this is words that you need to hear. If you're in darkness still, if you're not sure about this light and this darkness stuff, Paul is, I, I think he's a, this is his way of saying to these Ephesians, and there's some in that church, even in the Ephesian church, that were maybe there because their, their husband or wife brought them, or their parents brought them, or a neighbor brought them, and they're listening to Paul read this, the, or this, this letter as it's read out, and, and they're confused because they're saying, well, light, dar- I'm not light, I'm in darkness, and, and this stuff is going on, and what Paul quotes here is a hymn. And it's a hymn that they think that they sang often at baptismals. Awake, O sleeper. Arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Because even in that setting, as there's likely in this setting, there are people that are sitting here, and this is the first time you've heard the contrast between light and darkness. You, you don't know what it means to be in the light, but you do know what it means to be in the darkness. You know that everything that you're thinking just leads to futility. It leads to pain. It doesn't satisfy the longing of your heart as you pursue that lifestyle or the, the behaviors that you're in. It does give you a certain amount of joy. It does give you a certain amount of pleasure, but at the end, it slams you down on the ground and you realize that the emptiness that's there and the sorrow and the pain that comes with it. And so you're here this morning and you, you understand sort of intuitively 
it intuitively in your life what it means to be in the darkness, but you don't know what it means to be in the light. And this is what Paul is saying to you this morning, if that's you. He's saying, awake, O sleeper. It's like when you go to camp or when you're a kid at home and, and, and your, your counselor comes in and your parent comes in and they say, rise and shine. Or they, they strip the, the, the light, the, 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 the curtains back and you're just kind of blinded by this, this light that comes in. And what Paul is saying, if you're here, he's saying, wake up. Get out of your sleep. There's light that's shining in the darkness of your light. Those who sit in darkness have seen a great light. Wake up. And so if you're here today and and you don't know the light of the gospel, it's here. It's shining. It's shining in Christ. It's shining in the people that are sitting around you. Wake up. Open your eyes. Let the light of the gospel shine into your mind even this morning. And then he goes on and he says, arise from the dead. That's his, that's his invitation to, to, to change your thinking, to change your behaving, to let the word of the, uh, God's word, to let the light of Christ that we've sung about, that we're talking about, to let that shine into your life, that, that to, to, to replace that misery that you feel, to take you from death to life as many of us have experienced. And he's saying, so, so that you can arise from the dead. Christ is here to save you. He's here to give you life. He's here to take you from death into life. Wake up so that you can arise from the dead. And then he says, and Christ will shine on you. You know, and, until you've experienced the light of Christ shining in you, it's amazing when, when all of a sudden you realize that you, you don't have to live in ignorance any longer. That, that Christ just shines and he peels that away and you realize how deceived you've been and you realize how that path is taking you so far from God and yet Christ in his mercy and grace, he's shining in your mind and he's saying, look at me and be saved. And Christ will shine on you. I am the light of the world, Jesus says. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. If you want to be if you want to change your thinking, if you want your behavior to, 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 to be, bring you joy and not pain, to bring you hope and to bring you meaning, then let Jesus shine into your life and follow him. And you will know everlasting life and you will know joy beyond measure as you allow Christ to shine in you. Will you, will you not believe in that light that you might become sons of light? The invitation is here, even this morning. That if you've come here today and you're in darkness and you're walking in darkness, Paul and the word of God is clear. Awake. Rise from the dead. Let Christ shine in your heart. And if that's what you're thinking, you can pray this prayer. It's a part of a song that we sung, but you can pray this prayer along with me. And it's a, it's a prayer of invitation of Christ to come in your life. And let's pray together. And this, you can just repeat this along with me, even in the quietness of your heart. Lord, would you let your light, let your light shine in me, that I might be saved, that I might have life, that I might find the way to the eternal kingdom where Christ is and where God is, the light of this world.